Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome to another episode of In. Oh, I almost said In the Can. Shit, man, I'm my brain's not working tonight. The backdoor cut uh, on the Barnburner Podcast Network. Uh, usually Zach intros these, but I'm doing it tonight, which is why my brain was confused. Um, we're, it, we're back. This is Sam I'm here with Mason, Zach, and Rich. We haven't had the whole crew here in a while because basketball was canceled, and we've kind of been going through Corona, and we haven't had sports to talk about, so we, we really haven't been able to convene together. Um, thankfully, we were able to do it this week with some playoff news, but but first we did want to talk about things going on uh, in the. United States, um, things going on, uh, have been going on for, for you know, hundreds of years, but um, sort of have escalated with the murder of George Floyd. You know, you see other names recently as well, Maude Arbery and Brianna Taylor. Um, and, and so it has kicked off the, the Black Lives Matter movement as well, uh, and kind of a focus on police brutality. And I mean, if you're watching the stream, you know that I am a white dude, Mason is white and Zach is white. Um, and Rich, we wanted to kick it to you to kind of get your perspective on everything that's been going on and, and kind of walk us through your feelings, you know, amidst all of this and we can just kind of talk it out. Yeah, sure, man. Um, definitely uh, good to be back here uh, on the pod with y'all. It's definitely been a minute. Um, but yeah, I think we'd be remiss if we came on here and just talked about basketball. Um, so definitely appreciate the space for sure. And you ask how I'm feeling. Um, tired, man. Uh, tired. There's really no other um, semblance of feeling, I think, that I have. Um, because this is nothing new. Like, yeah, the, the current cases and the current happenings have shown another spotlight on it. But it's no different than 2016. It's no different than my grandparents in the 1950s. It's no different than 1800s. It's, it's, it's tried and true. Um, and I, I think, you know, Growing up knowing about the regards to police brutality and, you know, the systemic oppression um, brought upon my people is, you know, nothing that came from school. Um, it all came from my family. It all came from my elders, my ancestors, um, really preparing me to go out into the world. Um, I think from a young age, you're, you're taught how you need to act. Uh, we kind of police ourselves in a way to not be whatever you may be perceived as, you know, a threat, if you will. I mean, generally speaking, like y'all might not be able to see me on the pod. Uh, I'm a big dude, y'all, for anybody listening, I'm a large man. Um, and so I myself have to always be conscious of not coming off as super intimidating, not coming off as, you know, just super aggressive, if you will. And that's not a fun way to live. I'll tell you that right now. 
Um, it's not a very open way to live. Um, I know for me personally, like I always go back to babies and puppies, babies and puppies. Um, I think we all know in our country, we love babies and puppies, right? When you're on a on the sidewalk or you're out in the street or you're out somewhere, you make eye contact with a baby. Um, it's like, oh, cool, all cute, cute and whatnot, man. But if I make eye contact with a baby that doesn't look like me, I have to ignore it because I don't know if the parents of that baby or whoever that baby is with is comfortable with them engaging with me. Same with puppies. Um, if you're in Memphis, you've probably been to Overton Bark. You're probably taking your dog somewhere. No one engaged with the puppies because I never know. Does this person want me touching their their animal? Does this person, you know, are they comfortable in that? And that's, you know, a tough, a tough feeling to have. And sometimes it might make you come across as kind of, I want to say standoffish, but it's kind of a, a shield, if you will, um, because you don't know if people are comfortable in that space with you. Um, and I really just, you know, think of, you know, how these are one of the only situations when it's when it's concerning black people and Black Lives Matter where things just become so divisive, right? When we had the Boston Marathon, we were all Boston strong. Yeah. When we had Orlando, it was Orlando tough. Yeah. When it's anything, we're all in, right? But when it's Black Lives Matter, oh, no, wait, wait. Mm, no, but what about, mm, but you can't forget, mm, and it just gets lost in the whole, you know, system of trying to suppress our voices once again. Um, and even if you look at the media now, um, you know, there are th some things taking place because people are angry. You know, I just say that point blank period. And that's what's kind of being shown. Um, I really appreciate a lot of the athletes today who really use their voices to speak out on this stuff. Um, you know, in particular, definitely LeBron James, um, who will not just continue being the best basketball player in the world. He speaks out and he's a, a proud black man. And I think a, a great role model for a lot of us. Um, but it's deeper than just, you know, talking about it. Like we have to have these conversations, these dialogues, these uncomfortable truths have to be shared um, because it's 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 not enough just to be not racist, right? Oh, I'm not racist, I'm not racist. You have to be anti-racist. You have to acknowledge and understand the systemic things that have been set in place for hundreds of years that have kept my people behind that have given other people a leg up. You know, it's it's uncomfortable to discuss, but it's the truth. Would you rather be uncomfortable talking about it or have to live with it? And that's the question I have to ask people um, all the time, just because I myself as, you know, a young professional, um, you know, who will eventually bring a family into this world, bring kids into this world. I'm scared to bring a child into this world. I fear for what that future looks like for my child. You know, you would think if I was a kid thinking back to 2020, I'm like, oh, man, it's going to be futuristic. We're going to have hover cars. And that shit just isn't what's happening. It's it's getting scarier by the day. Um, I want to know when I send my kids out, they're going to come home. You know. I know I'm going to have to give them the talk like I had to talk that was had with me when I was 13, 14 years old, Shit, probably even earlier by my father, by my mother. How to police yourself how to not put yourself in a situation. But that stuff means nothing when you fit the description, when you fit the description, when the person who was supposed to be enforcing is seemingly scared of you. All that stuff goes out the window. And it's, it's just the society we live in. Um, 
and you never want to accept that. Um, you know, I vow to keep working. I vow to keep, you know, being a voice and really, you know, making sure that these things are elevated and amplified. Um, because especially when you don't have to deal with it every day, it's very easy to get lost in the shuffle. Like for myself, of course, I know our experience, but I grew up in Memphis. I went to Whitehaven High School. I went to HBCU. I've been around black people my whole life. My father lives in the suburbs of Houston, Texas. Going to visit him in the summers was a whole different experience for me. I had to change the way I talked. I had to change the way I spoke, you know, address people. Um, and I think that's a skill we all have to pick up really, which is otherwise known as code switching, um, which is known as, you know, just making sure you, you, you're doing what you gotta do uh, to, to sustain in this space. Um, and, you know, even having to be like that, like, that's crazy. Um, it's like it's like two different worlds. But also when you think of a a white person or anybody who is not a person of color, it's very easy to remain in that bubble if you don't have to have interaction with people that don't look like you. You know, you don't have to be a racist. Like, you could be a perfectly fine person. But if it doesn't affect your day-to-day, -day, why would you really care? Why would you go out of your way to bring that into your life? Right? And I think that's one of the main points. Like, how are you you know, infusing those conversations into your day to day? How are you getting uncomfortable? And I think that's what we have to also ask ourselves every day, because we can see it on the news, we can see it on social media, oh, it's not right, this isn't okay. But what are you doing, you know, to try and rectify it? You know, we nobody can fix it by themselves, but that's power in people. And allyship is important. And knowing that somebody is there for you, even if they don't look like you is super important because we can't do this alone. We've seen how they've kept people that look like me down for 400 plus years. We need other people to get to the finish line. We need other people to achieve these goals. Um, and so, you know, for any listener, um, I'm gonna say you're a huge sports fan, right? You're all on social media, blowing up a recruits timeline when you want them to commit to play ball, right? You're all for the new mixtape that dropped and you're using the lyrics on your Instagram captions, right? All that energy, keep that same energy, man. You know what I'm saying? These people have family, these people have lives. And before anything, we're black first. No matter how much education I receive, no matter how far I go in life, no matter what I accomplish, when somebody sees me from the jump, they see me as black first. And so how are you ensuring the society that we have that we've set up, it's never gonna be equal. I can hope, I can pray. My ancestors gave their blood, sweats, tears, and lives to hope for a better future for us. And we're forever indebted to them for that. You know, but I, I can't be naive and say that we've seen what we wanna see, but I hope that it happens. I hope that my children and my children's children are able to see something, see some change. Um, because if we have moved in some positive directions, what I saw from Memphis this past week, you know, outside of all the negative people that try to infiltrate anything positive, I saw unity, I saw some beauty out there, um, and I saw people coming together because it's one thing that Memphis people rally behind, it's Memphis. Um, and Memphis is black as hell. So it's very hard to not rally behind Memphis <laughs> because it's black ass city. So all I ask is, you know, have those uncomfortable conversations. Talk to your people, talk to your families, you know, and just continue to amplify and uplift. Um, and know that when we say Black Lives Matter, if you're saying all lives matter, then I hope that also includes Black Lives.
Man, Rich, thank you for sharing that. I know uh, that can be easy. I'm sure you've had this conversation over and over again um, mm -hmm. or similar conversations these last few weeks. Um, and it's just no matter how many times you hear a story like you just told how um, or who, who you hear it from, but just how black men um, or women have to just think about every little move that we as white guys never have to think about, you know. Um, when we get in our car, car to drive home from work, our biggest worry is a speeding ticket. Your biggest worry is your life. Um, so it's it's unfair. And I think you're right in that um, the black community can't do this alone. We as, um, you know, the white community and all other communities got to speak up, got to be there to support you guys and take the lead um, when where we can, um, especially within our own families. I don't know, Sam and Zach, about you, but uh, my family's group chats, for whatever reasons, this time around, there's been a lot more internal discussion and people seem to be a little more willing um, to talk about it and open up those who are usually, uh, you know, anti Black Lives Matter, not necessarily racist, but not doing anything to support the cause. Not anti-racist. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, we got to keep having those conversations. We've got to keep educating ourselves. Rich, like you, you mentioned schools, like we don't learn about the Tulsa race riots. We don't we don't learn about the L.A. riots in 92 after Rodney King was brutally beaten. Um, you know, all kinds of stuff like will we learn about will they learn about Ferguson? Will they learn about Trayvon Martin? Uh, they're probably not right now unless they just got a fucking good ass teacher um, who's willing to, you know, break outside of the state curriculum, which I mean, that's, you know, that's a whole nother issue that we don't need to talk about. But yeah, um, as white people, I think we just got to acknowledge it, acknowledge our white privilege. Um, because I mean, it's not our fault, but we have to be willing to admit that it is there and that other people don't have that same privilege. Um, because it's not a black person's fault that they were born black, <laughs> you know, like it's just, not not fair to them that we get a privilege and they don't um man i, I got a lot to say but but sam and zach i'll kick it to y'all if y'all want to jump in right now uh yeah i mean i i so the one of the first protests marched down uh main street down from the martin luther king museum there at the lorraine motel and marched down i live on main street so i was kind of in the middle of it um and uh, we uh, came into my apartment as uh, everyone was walking by. And uh, in my condo building, there is a young black family that lives here. It's a uh, son's probably, I don't know, I'm bad at this. He's anywhere from five to eight, you know, just a little black boy, cute as hell, always really nice, always loves uh, our dog. And, um, but they just moved in in the past year or so. So they, the mom and the son were sitting at the condo door with it open and watching everyone march by and you know yell i can't breathe and um had the signs and completely mixed you know every race and creed was represented it seemed just from what i saw uh and as we walked in we heard the the son ask the mom what are they marching about what are they yelling about and then uh the mom said well son uh not everyone is likes us um, some people don't like us because of the color of our skin and, and some people treat us differently. 
And because of that, you know, sometimes people get hurt. Uh, and, and you, you saw this, like this five or six, you know, six year old kid soaking that in. And I don't know if that was the first conversation that they had had about it, but it was a, a moment that I wish I could bottle that. And, and Ivy, my girlfriend and I, fiance and I were discussed that. And I was like, I wish you could bottle that, like, and, and just show every person that would say all lives matter, you know, like you wish you could bottle those little life moments that you might otherwise have not have seen if you just weren't around, if you just had, you know, if you just stayed out in certain parts of the city and didn't get out and see things or experience things. And that was just like a really moving moment personally that I've experienced amidst all of this. Um, yeah. And let me just jump in right there. If, if you're one of those person, people who your response to black lives matter is all lives matter. Like you just don't want to get it. And you're showing your true colors. Like yep. that, that's blatantly disrespectful and fuck you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but that was just a, a little moment that you, you wish that everyone could experience and, and understand what that the issue is not. The issue is not like a, a, an exclusion of every other race uh, that it is just a, you know, explaining what's going on um, and it isn't talked about enough. And I think, you know, it, it's been said, but as white people like to be allies is, is to just shut up and listen and be willing to have the conversations and talk to our, our peers about it um, and kind of promulgate all the ideas that, that we know are right. But um, Zach, I don't know if you had, you had anything to say about it, but I have a, a few more questions kind of. Yeah. So one thing that I saw um, uh, one article was about talking about like how, white people it's so easy to stay in your bubble like even like you said rich memphis is a black city but it's really easy to stay in like your white bubble you go to you know like go to the university of memphis most of the guys to hang out with are white guys but you really have to like take that extra step to like ingrain yourself and diversify the people that you're around and i think this uh, kind of season is hitting a little different than say 2016 because I'm, I mean, it was four years ago, but I'm in a much different phase of life, having gotten married since then, have a kid. Like, so I have to think about, you know, like, how do I want to raise him? And like, what kind of values do I want to still in him that everyone, you know, deserves the same love and respect, regardless of, you know, where they came from, their skin color, their story. Uh, you know, that's just how I want him to look at people. And, and that means a lot to me and may, more so even than like in the past, maybe I didn't accept, or I read recently read Malcolm Gladwell's Blink and part of it, he talks about like your gut reactions to things. And, uh, and part of it, you know, society, just growing up in society, you have these gut reactions to things that when you're conscious, you're like, no, I don't feel that way. But then, you know, you have those put in a pressure situation, you might feel a certain way, but you have to work in your conscious to overcome those things that society or your situation has ingrained in you. And so that really is something that I've been thinking about a lot over the past few weeks. So what, what do we think is, I mean, I think I probably know the answer. I think the, the, the George Floyd video is what really spurned this back into action. And cause it was so absurd, you know, it was a murder caught on video. Um, but what, what about this particular moment do you think is different than like Zach mentioned 2016 or Ferguson, Rich, what do you think is different about this time? I think, I think one, it's just, 
the time since then, I mean, we've always been divisive, but they're even more so divisive now, um, given our leadership. Um, so that amplifies things. And I also think it's been able to really shine a light and show the stark contrast between having this go on while also experiencing a pandemic. Um, oh, we've yeah, seen sure. what the pandemic protests look like, and we've seen what these look like. We've seen the crowds of the pandemic protests and how they were handled. And we see these protests crowds and how they're handled. Um, and I think it's really just been interesting um, because we just know, like, you know, somebody's fighting for their right to go to the hair salon and get their nails done while other people are, are praying and asking you to stop killing us. You right. know? White people um, saying they can't breathe because of a fucking face mask. And yeah, because <laughs> of a face mask. I have a medical condition. Like, okay. Um, so I just really think, you know, with everybody during this time, like it's been a crazy few months, right? We've all been in the house. We've all been, I'm assuming, trying to keep up with work remotely. Um, and so everybody was just already spent, exhausted. Things are just different. Um and then this murder happens, um, you know, and it, and it kind of was like in threes. They say everything comes in threes, right? Although we know there are many things that happen across the country. These just happen to get filmed and get posted. And, you know, shout out to all of those who ensure that these things are seen. Because if you look at Ahmaud Aubrey's case, had that video not come out, that would have been swept under the rug. Um, but you look at Ahmaud Aubrey, you look at Breonna Taylor, you look at um, the man, uh, the professional in New York City, who just asked the woman to put her dog on a leash. Um, and that was just a huge issue. And to hear how easily she was able to twist her voice into a mode of panic, knowing that that would strike fear in the heart of somebody that looked like me, was just, it's heartbreaking because it's real. You know, uh, we talk about the country, we talk about the police, American flags. I'm scared of the police. I don't feel safe when I see the American flag. If I go somewhere and I see a whole bunch of trucks with the American flag on it, I'm getting back in the car and I'm going down the street. That's not for me. That's not what I want to see. I see a whole bunch of guns and, and, and all these things. I want no parts of it. Um, so when we talk about, you know, the land of the free and the home of the brave, who are we encompassing within that? Um, and we talk about the protests and how, you know, people are responding, but we look at, you know, post 2016, Colin Kaepernick, um, who put his career on the line, ended his career effectively for standing up for something he believed in. Now, you know, he was told, no, no, you know, don't, don't protest like that. Don't, mm -mm. even though it was silent, it was in accordance with the guidelines, still that wasn't right, right? So you go out, okay, we're trying to be heard. Oh, no, 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 not not like that. Not could you could you find another way? You know, and it's just there's always going to be something. Something's always going to come up. Um, I saw an interesting video on Twitter today of Laura Ingram of good old Fox News, um, who a few years back told LeBron James, Kevin Durant to shut up and dribble when they were speaking out on social justice um, issues. But um, I don't know how much you all keep up with the NFL, but Drew Brees um, was on tape yesterday talking about, you know, how he felt about peaceful protests with the um, 
American flag and the national anthem, et cetera. Um, and she said, well, he's an individual. He has an opinion. You know, we can't fault him for that. You know, and, they, and somebody put him on a loop. And it's just, you know, it's nothing we didn't know already. But it's just interesting for people to see. Um, because that, that, that really how it, that's really how it is um, in society a lot. There's just so much divisiveness. There's, there's so much, um, it's just, it's just a lot. Um, it's just a lot. You look at locker rooms, you look at sports, it's just, you know, you, you can, you can play a sport with somebody. Um, and you know, we see these guys and we, we assume like they're just cool, but we, we know how large teams are, man. You can, you can pass somebody a ball or hand it off to them. That doesn't mean that y'all are having Christmas dinner together. Yeah. That doesn't mean that y'all are, you know, best friends. Uh, Drew Brees is talking about, you know, honoring his grandparents, you know, grandfathers. Full respect. I get it. World War II. But I had ancestors who fought in that war, too. My grandfather, when he fought in that war, he came back here. There was no hero's welcome. There was no red carpet. He came back to the same segregation and civil rights injustices after putting his life on the line for this country that didn't even love him, doesn't even love us. You know, so don't talk to me about war and the flag. It was never about that. It's never been about that. You made it about that, you know? Um, and I just think 2016 was tough, right? But we were thinking, you know, maybe some strides were being made. So I think when 2020 hit, it's just like, damn, you know, there's a lot more work to be done. But, you know, as I stated earlier, it's going to take a lot of help and a lot of people to get there. Yeah. And like, I, I don't know what makes this one different because we've seen other people killed by the police on video. You know, it's not like this is our first time seeing it, a, a clear murder. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think it is just a combination of the three in a row, seeing Ahmad's, uh, you know, being shot down hunted down really as lebron said um and just really realizing how despicable that that was um and and now is not the time to stop like so we started with the peaceful protest and then you had some people who yeah they, they were opportunists um you know do i do i uh support looting no not at all i don't support the vandalism and stuff but people are listening now um, and peaceful protests haven't worked. So what, what else is there? To, like, this is the next step. And, you know, it, I hate it for those business owners, especially the minority business owners, if their businesses are affected and, you know, maybe that impacts their livelihood. I could give a fuck about Target or Walmart or any of that. Like <laughs> they can set every one of those on fire and they, they got money to build it back up. Um, yeah. I think the key point you made though, is that people are listening right mm. and it sucks that it had to get to that right because yeah. the stores got involved and the looting got involved like we don't care about small businesses when gentrification happens we don't talk right. about it moving minority-owned businesses out so we can build deluxe condos and move other people in mm. we don't talk about you know small businesses when white flight happens when people of color move into a community and white people you know moved on elsewhere that's been going on for years i grew up in white haven right white haven used to be all white Whitehaven, we call it's called Black Haven for a reason, right? And that's you know we didn't push anybody out, 
<laughs> they saw us coming, so they left. You know, and so we don't talk about how that affects those businesses in that regard. So it's just always interesting when all these things come up. They're going to find something. People are going to find something um, to hang their hat on, right? Um, even on my personal social media, um, people who I saw were eerily silent about everything going on. But once the looting started, mm -hmm. oh, I was seeing my news feed was pot. Oh, how? Oh, my God. Wow. How? You know what I'm, you know. You read and re react accordingly. Cool. I see the energy. Um, and you know, you're not surprised. Sometimes it's, it's disappointing. I will say that um, it, it, it is disappointing, but we've had to have tough skin for as long as I can remember. Um, so it's just something that you have to keep on going through um, because there are just always going to be people who just aren't going to get it. So, And I think that's the harsh truth. When when you see someone like that on your friends list who, um, you know, basically is telling on themselves and then you have to work with them or, or interact with them, you know, in a social function. How do you kind of navigate that situation with someone when you know their true feelings? And then they want to be all buddy, buddy, shaking your hand and shit. Yep. You know, one thing that I'm super grateful for is the organization that I work for. Um, shout out City Year, um, national organization um, who employs a lot of like-minded people who mm. are for the fight or for the cause. Um, so personally, in that regard, shout out to my coworkers, shout out to anybody listening who's affiliated with CY. We ride for each other. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and it's it's just a, a beloved community. Um, but yeah, you know, people I grew up with or, you know, in different you know organizations around the city whether it be bridge builders or you know all these things that have exposed me to so many um different people it's 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 disappointing um and i and i learned a long time ago you can't make somebody want to accept something um and you know i'm not for the social media back and forth. I'm not for the mm. comments going back and forth. I just, I don't have time for that. It's exhausting. It's not my job to help you understand why you need to care about people. It's not my responsibility. I can't hang my hat on that. But what we can do is educate, learn and listen. But you have to be willing to want to do that, right? We talked about the bubbles earlier. Um, and if you don't want to invade your bubble or have anything infiltrate your bubble, you're not gonna wanna listen. Um, but it's 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 crazy, you know, when you see it. Um, or if you see something else discussed, um, like I've even seen NBA players, um, you know, shout out to my boy, my my favorite Grizzly, D'Anthony Melton. Can't wait to get your jersey, man. And he's just like, you know, it's it's not they're like season's coming back. He's like, I don't care. Like, there's bigger fish to fry right now. Yeah, yeah I would, let's let's say let's save that for the playoff talk. Let's say like, yeah. So you know, it's just you don't want it to be a flash in the pan. Mm -hmm. This can't be the only times those conversations are being had. These conversations are being had because we, we 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 find something, we hone in, we move on to the next thing, we move on to the next thing, right? But how you know, I think it comes with you know creating systems of change and e equitable structures to provide spaces um to educate to inform to listen um 
And there are, you know, so many platforms that do that. There's, you know, let me shout that out right now. Like there are so many people doing so much good work. There are so many people who don't like look like me doing so much good work for this cause and this fight. Um, and, you know, just uh, we see you. We appreciate you um, because it's important. But, uh, you know, it's it's a uh, yeah, Mason, it's it's it's, it's wild. But, you know, I've, I've muted a few people. Um, I haven't unfriended yet. I haven't been in my petty bag yet, but definitely some mutes have been flying off. So I went the unfriend route with a few people, but I, I need to keep some of them on my timeline just because I like to know how the, the other side's thinking. You know, I just like to see, I, I, see the yeah. absurd shit that they say at times. That's real. Um, but back to the change that I was mentioning that we're seeing um, L.A. Mayor Garcetti announced that they were donate. uh not donating, but moving $250 million uh, that they were going to put into the black community through businesses, uh, youth programs, um, health programs. And mm -hmm. some of that budget, uh, I think $150 million was coming from the police's budget. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that's necessarily cutting salaries or anything, um, but, you know, impacting their budget. So they're not going to live as lavish. Uh, the Bay Area did something similar. We saw the Atlanta cops who pulled the college students out of their vehicles. Um, they've been charged. We've seen these other three officers who uh, were involved in the George Floyd murder be charged. Um, we don't know with what yet, but you know, still, we, when we saw the uh, Breonna Taylor case, I think I saw that today that it's been re reopened. Yeah. Um, so now is not the time um, to stop, you know, and at, as the, the white people who are invested in this cause, we got to realize that our black brothers and sisters are tired. Like you said, Rich, I can't tell you how many people uh, that I call good friends have, have echoed those words to me. So just saying, man, I'm tired. Um, so it, it's, it's our time to help not let this torch go out, continue the conversations, continue to move forward, know who we're voting for, what they stand for, how it impacts all sides, um, you know, and then make a, uh, educated decision on how you really want to vote and think about how it impacts not only your community, but other communities. Um, shop at black and minority owned businesses, especially coming off this pandemic. Um, you know, I mean, you, you're probably going to find a good restaurant. Right? Let's be real. That you haven't been to yet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, Zach and Sam, y'all got anything? Yeah. I mean, I, the, so the officers with the Floyd, uh, the, Chauvin, uh, the, the murderer himself was charged with second degree murder and the three, uh, other cops were charged with aiding and abetting. Um, so okay. second degree murder is that, you know, with the actual intent to kill. Um, so that's a more intense than what he was charged with before, which was manslaughter, which is you know, obviously the, the sentences are drastically different. Um, so that, that was a good sign to see that actually upgraded and like, they're going to prosecute with teeth instead of you know, hey, we're all cops here, and then wink, wink with the judge who, you know, all that kind of bullshit that's happened in the court system that I've seen, you mm -hmm. know, that there's a whole other side, you know, it's like the wire, each season's like a different element of all this bullshit, but, you know, in my profession, I've been uniquely uh, encountered it, I guess, and I don't even do criminal law, but I know about it, um, so the, 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 I've read a lot of good shit during all this, and that, it's one of my favorite parts, is like, all the stuff's kind of popped up, like, hey, look at all this, and it's like this wealth of cool stuff to read. And, and I read a bunch about the police, you know, kind of being like a military state. Um, and, and, and it brought up a bunch of good points and things I never thought about. But like that there's this notion that like the, the police officers are policing areas, not notion, but truth, 
where they don't live. You know? And, and yeah. so they're, they're like, they have zero incentive to react like human, empathetic human beings because they're basically like occupying a place just like our military occupied Iraq, for example. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, they have no stake in what happens locally. You know, those, a lot of those, those, uh, you know, like uh, those troops, you know, didn't care about collateral damage, you know, not all of them, of course, but I think that that matters. Uh, and, and, and for example, I read this article about New York city where the, the, the city requires police to have a domicile in the sti- in the city. Uh, mm-hmm. But a lot of cops were living in suburbs and saying, oh, you know, having a mailbox or whatever in New York, but commuting into the city to police it. So that right there is a bad thing. You don't want your people that are upholding the law to have no stake in the community. That's very important, I think, is for people to be amongst themselves. I don't know how you fix that, but that was like something that was like, oh, yeah, like that makes sense. And it's awful. Well, I mean, that's a you know, that's what the police union, um, the mayor, your city council members. Right. Um, so when, when I'm talking about voting, that's what local, I'm talking vote about. Vote local, man. Yeah, yeah that, that's how you make the adjustments in your your communities, like your actual city, uh, your municipality. Even in Memphis, you got Bartlett, you got Collierville, Germantown. Those are all individually municipalities that have their own board of government. Yeah, police forces should be required to have at least a certain percentage of black officers per black residents. Um, you know. So, but we just got to be vocal, send those letters when, when you get the emails from change.org, uh, sign the petitions, you know, that, that's the only way we're going to be heard. It's not all just, you know, on your social media, Twitter feed. Yeah. The, a lot of the, and in Memphis is good. Memphis has a body cam requirement uh, and they've banned chokeholds. So they've actually made mm-hmm. steps to, you know, locally change the way the police handle things. Uh, I don't think there's a mandatory de-escalation training. That's another like tangible step that you can move your local government to incorporate uh, and then a, you know, warning before violent uh, action and all that sort of stuff that, you know, you make police do their job better. I mean, every profession requires excellence. Like if you're a bad lawyer, you get malpractice. If you're Mm -hmm. a bad doctor, you get your ass sued off. I see it all the time. I mean, but police officers, not only do they not get held accountable, but a lot of times they're things are swept under the rug and they get away with things that even the ordinary citizen wouldn't. So, that just can't be the case. Uh, so that that's something that I've focused on. I, and so I, I, there are places you can donate. A lot of great places. Rich, I'm sure knows a million. I, I've, I've chosen to donate to the local bail fund, the Mid South um, Black Lives Matter bail fund, just because I wanted to donate locally and kind of affect the community in which I live in. And there's no bad place to donate your money. But um, you know, if you, what, are, what else have you heard, Rich? Or what are some other good you know kind of initiatives to to pursue? Yeah, I mean, that's just, you know, that's a plethora, man, just online, staying informed. Like you said, like the bail fund's great, but locally for sure. Um, there's so many national things um, because like you said, in every profession, like <laughs> we have to perform. Like I have a performance review. I know that. Um, and if it isn't, sure, yeah, good, man. I, don't, I don't think I would be working. Um, and, you know, it's, it's just tough because oftentimes the ones that are committing the crimes are the ones filling out the reports. Yeah. And that's a, of course, it's not going to be what it seems. Um, but definitely just, just, just vote, vote, vote local. Um, I, myself, that's something I had to, to really learn. Right. Um, it, it took a talk with my grandmother who's 85 years old. You know, I think there was a moment we were having some election. I was like, Oh, I don't think I'm going to make it today. She had to sit me down and talk about what she had to do and what she had to go through. And let me Shit. tell you, when my grandma sits me down, she said, like, you're going to vote. Yeah. yeah. You're going to vote. <laughs> it didn't matter what I said. Um, you know, just hearing, you know, what, what we could perceive as like such a small feat, 
there were people that died for that right, right? There were people that, you know, there were black people, white people who were, who were, who were fighting for that to happen. You know, it's no small feat. So voting is super important. Um, as well as just always look into, you know, where you're donating your money, do that research, uh, make sure it's going to places, you know, where it's going to tangibly help affect change, where it's going to tangibly support people. Um, because there's a lot of good work going on right now. Um, and, you know, you just want to, you know, like we like we spoke to maintain that momentum and um, just just get involved, man, get outside of your bubble. Um, I know we all work. I know we all do different things, but, you know, go volunteer somewhere. Go go coach somewhere. I know, Zach, you you were a coach like this past year, weren't you? Weren't you yeah. like a basketball coach or something? Yeah. Like get involved with the community, man. Go talk to some kids, you know, spend some time somewhere. Um, get away from from, you know, your normal, your day to day. Um, go impact somebody else's life in a positive way. Um, because also it's very important for us to see people that don't look like us. You know, whether it's a, a young black kid seeing a white male who, you know, is there for them or, you know, me making a connection with a, a young white kid, you know, it starts there. You know, um, I think Chris Vernon shared a, a powerful story today mm -hmm. um, about his son and his good friend who is a black child. Um, and it starts there, man. You know, we can we know what we can teach our children. You know, when they walk out of the house, what type of person will they be? How will they respect others? How will they, you know, be with other people? Um, and, you know, it starts with us um, one step at a time. Uh, but you got to keep that same energy consistently. Um, you got to keep your foot on the gas and, you know, hope for a better tomorrow, hope for a better future for our future generations to come. I just wanted to ask a short question of uh, like, so this is a time of great education, especially if folks are still at home a lot. What are some good resources like as far as, you know, movies, videos, books, that kind of stuff for white folks to educate on like on the history of what's going on and kind of get a deeper dive into the situation. Yeah, man, that's, that's a, that's a really good question, Zach. Um, particularly, I think everybody has Netflix, man, watch 13, uh, watch the documentary 13 tough watch disclaimer, tough watch, but it's real. Um, you know, but definitely make sure like as you're viewing some of these things, you're taking care of yourself as well. Um, you know, make sure you're in the proper headspace to take some of this stuff in. Um, most definitely, you know, mental health is important. Um, trigger warnings are important. So make sure you're taking care of yourself. But yeah, definitely um, 13 um, for sure. Um, and there's so many, so many books, um, you know, for my teacher folks out there, a wonderful book for white folks who teach in the hood. Um, excellent read. Um, another one, um, there's a book I just finished access like, uh, mommy, why are all the black kids sitting at one lunch table? And I think I completely butchered that title. So please forgive me um, to the author who wrote that book, <laughs> but it's something like that. Title. Yes. But I will be sure to follow up. Um, and yeah, just, um, man, just, just, just so many good things. Like I, I would love to just like compile a resource as well. Like, cause I'm, you know, so many thoughts in my head, I'm blanking on so many things. Um, but yeah, just, just read, man. Um, Between the World and Me, Ta-Nehisi Coates, um, check it out. Um, 
There's a lot, man. There's some 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 brilliant minds out there. Um, some brilliant minds who we can all learn a lot from. So just definitely read, educate yourself. You know, I know it's depressing. Watch the news, man, as much as you can. Like, you know, to stay informed. Um, shout out to the Daily Memphian as well. Um, you know, supporting local. Love their articles, man. Shout out to Jeff Calkins. Calkins. Um, he had a great two-piece article in support of uh, Memphis Tiger Lance Thomas, um, which was, you know, great to see as well. Um, but yeah, just read, man. Just read and uh, stay informed for sure. Yeah, and I, I recently watched the uh, LA 92 uh, National Geographic do uh, documentary that's on Netflix, and I think it's streaming on YouTube for free right now. Yeah, um, that another like tough watch, like. <laughs> it's tough but it's worth it um who killed malcolm x is a series on netflix as well that's uh, definitely worth your time um so yeah th those are my two suggestions <laughs> any spike lee movie man like i mean Word. he's uh you know, do the right thing is one his first kind of masterpiece which is about exactly what we're talking about uh and the yeah. implicit implicit biases that can exist within the same community of people that are around each other all the time yeah. Um, so yeah. I, I, that's honestly like I'm a middle class white dude that went to basically all white high schools growing up and like I'm a big film guy. So Spike Lee was kind of my like introduction to a lot of this stuff, which was great. I mean, I'm sure he would be glad to hear that if I'd ever told him that, but he's great. I mean, like he, he's yeah. a, he, he really is a good way of kind of like Black Klansman, of course, which is eerily relevant you know, in, in today's time as it was yeah. in that time. And it sucks to watch for that reason. There's even some Trump footage intercut at the end that'll really hit home, make you be like, why do we have a leader now that wants to be more divisive than un unite people? I don't know if that's ever been the case for a president who's endeavored to divide people. That seems to yeah. be counterproductive to the job title, but here we are. Um, yeah, Spike yeah. keeps it real, for sure. Yeah. Malcolm X, check it out. Yeah. I don't know how Denzel Washington didn't get a Best Actor Oscar, <laughs> but check it out, please, Master. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of his best performances. It, it, it is good. It, it, it's streaming. I, I saw it streaming recently. I don't know where. Maybe it's I think it's on Netflix. Okay, yeah. Um, but yeah, a lot of good stuff out there. And there's, you know, if you Google around for a second, you'll find entire wealth of information. But unless you guys have anything else on this issue, I don't want to cut anyone off. Uh, we can move into our basketball, our, our, the, the purpose of the barn burner, the, the backdoor cut, um, in, in original purpose. Uh, how do we feel about the return of the playoffs? And uh, Mason, explain to me the, the format for what's going to be happening right now. The, uh, the, the, the Zion <laughs> Basketball Association, oh, I'm sorry, the National Basketball Association uh, is returning. All right, so we got 22 teams coming back. Um, each team is going to play eight games. And of those teams, only the only Eastern Conference team not in the playoffs is the Washington Wizards. Um, and the rest of the – so that – Washington gets us to 17. The other what, five teams are vying for the eighth seed in the West. We do not yet know how the schedule is going to be created. There were, were some reports. I think uh, Vince Goodwill from Yahoo said that teams were going to just play the next eight games on their schedule against teams that will be in Orlando, but that doesn't necessarily work out um, exactly. So still waiting um, to see how that's going to be be determined. That was not released after the Board of Governors call today. Um, and so, yeah, each team will play eight games versus we do not yet know. No team will really get cupcake games except for if you're playing the Phoenix Suns or Washington, neither of which really have a, have a chance at making the playoffs. So 
I don't understand why the NBA insisted on bringing them back. Um, yeah, neither one of them probably wants to make the playoffs. Yeah, and I mean, it's a health risk for the players, um, you know, on the court, ACL, th- those type of health risks, not to mention just having more people in this time of COVID. Um, so I don't understand why they did that, but they did and they approved it. Um, and then if any team is within four games of the eight seed, mind you, the Grizzlies currently have a three and a half game in the West, three and a half game lead in the West over the ninth seed. I'm not sure what it is in the East. No one really expects Washington it's, to make a run. So it's like five games. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so if you're within four games, if the ninth seed is within four games of the eighth seed, there will then be a play in term tournament uh, series of games. I guess tournament is a misleading term. Um, to see who is the actual eighth seed. Um, so if New Orleans is four games behind the Grizzlies, New Orleans would have to beat Memphis two times in a row. That's without Memphis winning a game to advance. And vice versa, the Grizzlies would just have to win one game against New Orleans of the two um, to be the eighth seed in the playoffs. So all in all, I think it's pretty fair. Um we could bicker about should why is it a four game gap instead of a three and a half game gap. But I think this is probably the most fair way that we've seen proposed um, that gives teams like New Orleans, who had the easiest remaining schedule, a chance. Um, like we said, they no longer necessarily have that easiest remaining schedule. Um, and I was listening to Kevin Pelton today, the Grizzlies, who had the toughest remaining schedule. And his projections moving forward, the Grizzlies are like middle of the pack. So maybe it actually helps the Grizzlies um, that those other teams are getting the cupcakes. Uh, Zach, what are your initial thoughts on the format? So, uh, it, it, honestly, it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, we everyone was throwing out these really grandiose ideas. Zach Lowe had some, like, super-duper algebra problem equation that he put together for, like, seven teams and then a three-game playoff, all that kind of crazy stuff. But really the simple version seems to be pretty, you know, pretty good. And it it really, I think, is fair for Memphis. It maybe even benefits them a little bit, like you mentioned with the scheduling. Everyone else's schedule is going to kind of flatten out and kind of come to the middle. I mean, ours couldn't get any harder i guess but everyone else's is getting a little harder so it's kind of bringing everyone a little bit together and we still really control our own destiny i think what um harrington did some math uh if the grizzlies go five and three then they can't be caught and they'll finish with the eighth seed which would give them the advantage in that uh bracket you know eight eighth ninth playoff mini series so I, I think it comes down to memphis has to win games but they were gonna have to win games anyway i think i'd almost rather see this than them just go straight to from a pure basketball perspective and like nba perspective i'd rather see this format than just taking the top 16 and going straight into the playoffs i think this is more for fans like what's the appetite uh, a little bit more I suppose it, it does kind of make you like feel like the Grizzlies earned it a little more, you know, it, it, at least on a national mm-hmm. level. Uh, I think I, I polled the Grizzlies fans and like only 100 and something people responded, but we're largely Grizzlies fans. They wanted it to be straight up 16 teams, you know, like we just start the playoffs tomorrow, uh, of course, you know, because that would guarantee us the eight seed. Uh, and then I also polled 
will be the most satisfying result now that we know what's going to happen. And they all said uh, that we just uh, uh, get the eight seed outright, that we don't have to play in that play-in game or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think Grizzlies fans don't want drama. They just kind of want to get in the playoffs and have that Lakers series, which I get. I mean, intrinsically as a fan, I feel that way as well. But something that, like, I think there's a couple fallacies in play. Like, I think the, the hardest remaining schedule versus – easiest remaining schedule has have y'all ever heard of that being talked about as much as it is about like the grizzlies and the pelicans i, I feel like, like i think it is yeah yeah okay yeah. I, I, that's never something that like i know we've uh, people have discussed like stretches but something that isn't talked about is that you know the hardest remaining schedule means road games against good teams you yeah. know and and you know at the end of the season a lot of times like good teams have already solidified their playoff spots and are just kind of resting guys. And so it actually is better to catch teams like that at the end of the season. Um, Meanwhile, you know, the Pelicans who had the quote unquote easiest remaining schedule was also against a lot of those teams vying for playoff position, you know, that that were, that were vying for that, the eight seed anyway. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a little like, I think it's a little bit of a misnomer to say, and also you're it's NBA basketball. Anyone could beat anyone on any given night. And I think we're like attributing too much to the rest of the games uh, especially because the Pelicans haven't been good. They weren't even good when they had Zion. They were playing 500 ball. You know, like, I, I just don't understand it. I mean, I understand it because it's a business, but, like, this is just such blatant marketing that it's, like, hard to not take offense to it, you know, especially as a fan of the team that's getting shut underneath the rug with it. Um, but I think that this, uh, this like, particular format is, like, it makes the Grizzlies earn the eight seed three times. And, and this is something that Windhorse said. was Like, they had to earn it in, during the regular season through 65 games. Now they're going to have to uh, stay in the eight seed um, by winning enough games to stay there. Then they have to beat whoever the nine seed is to keep it and then play the Lakers. So, like, I mean, there's been no team historically that's ever had to do that much work to, you know, keep the eight seed. But I mean, it, it is objectively probably the most fair outcome. I mean, I, I think the most fair would have been like that's totally devoid of any sort of emotion or any sort of we need more money because we need Zion there is just 16 teams just say, dude, a fucking pandemic happened and like we can't do anything about it. This isn't like a normal situation. You know, we realized that there was a rest of the season to be played and maybe the Pelicans could have caught them and blah, blah, blah. But this happened and sorry, like there's next year. Um, so you can say that they have to earn it three times, but they still will play less games than they would have through a regular season. And the, I don't think the players would have agreed to go directly to the playoffs because these uh, regular season games or seeding games are bringing $300 million to the player contracts. Mm-hmm. Um, so instead of taking a 40% pay cut uh, for the rest of the season, they'll only be taking a 10% pay cut on the games missed. So I think that that had a big impact yeah, on – For sure. There's financial implications. Huge. Yeah, there's a lot more to it than just that, for sure. And and it's probably the, the best decision. I mean, we, Adam Silver's only made good decisions, it seems like. Um, but here we are, you know, and, and what, what do you think, Rich? What do you think of the, the way it's worked out? I mean, it's, it's, it's telling. I mean, just like y'all said, the blade marketing uh, is – it's just crazy. Like, I think NBA on ESPN released a graphic today. Like, you know, the NBA is back, and it was like the logo with all these players going to Orlando in it. And literally, some teams have multiple representatives. Some teams have one. The Grizzlies had none. Like, there were like 50 players in this graphic. Wow. Not one Grizzly. I'm just like, come on, man. Like, I'm literally 
you know, screenshot it, pulling it up further on my phone, making sure I'm not missing anything. Trying to find like a little baby jaw in the corner yeah, there or like something. Somebody, <laughs> damn, did jaw get a haircut? Like nothing. I saw <laughs> nobody. Um, and so, you know, I'm just very intrigued. Like, you know, this is, of course, is something that's never happened before. Um, and, you know, I think the Grizzlies, our city in general, always has a chip on his shoulder. And we're led now by a point guard who has a humongous chip on his shoulder. And I think Ja hears it. Like, he knows what the NBA wants, you know. And, you know, I am I got full faith in the Grizz, man. Like, you know, they're young. They're hungry. I feel like they'll be able to onboard a little quicker, given that we don't have a veteran-laden team. I hope Anthony Tolliver is doing all right, though. I know he's, like, 40. <laughs> um, and so, you know. The longest just, 10 day ever, by the way. <laughs> man, longest 10 day ever. I hope he was still getting paid. Um but yeah, it's just it's just gonna be so interesting. Like just even seeing the schedule that was coming out, like now when the draft lottery is gonna be, the draft, the season starting, everything like my psychological sports calendar is gonna be like so out of whack. Um, but it sounds like we're gonna have year-long sports. But my main thing is, you know, just hoping sure, you know, making sure that the players are okay. Uh, we're not putting them at further risk for injury or exposure just because the people wanna see basketball. Um and I'm excited to see some, man. It's going to be weird, you know, no fans. But, you know, if I can turn on my TV and see some hoops on, it's been a long time coming. Hell so yeah. excited to see some damn basketball, man, for sure. Well, you, and you touched on this, Rich. No fans. We're going to see a situation where they're playing in these – they're playing down in Orlando at the Disney Wild World of Sports Complex, which is, you know, we've all seen the, a lot of baseball spring, spring training happens down there. Uh, summer League's played there, right, the, the one of the Summer League's? Yeah, the Orlando Summer League. I assume it's played there. You I know, know that, Mason. I, I think know. so. Is it at TD Mac? No, okay. that's, that's in Vegas, isn't it? Yeah, the Vegas. The, the Vegas is the first half, and Orlando is the second half, or maybe it's reverse. But yeah, I assume or- they play it there in in Orlando. But I don't know. But it's a small summer league s gym. I don't think it's like a, if anything, it's a large high school gym. It's not a stadium, uh, to my knowledge. Yeah. No, it's not a stadium. But I mean, it's a, it's an arena. You know, probably six to ten thousand. I would say. Okay. Yeah. Has, so has like high school cheerleading competitions and shit like that. Right. AAU tournaments. Yep. Um, so so what do you want to see? What do you, what do y'all, Zach, what would you like to see in place of there'll be no fans there? You know, we've seen limited family only when you get to the playoffs, the players on the bench have to sit socially distance so that there will be no one there in the stands. You will just hear basketball sounds. What would you like if, if you were the, on the board of governors and had a vote, what would you like to see? So it's hard for me to say since I've watched EYBL uh, streaming like on a tiny little <laughs> camera on the computer with no sound whatsoever. So pretty easily. Yeah, we are <laughs> with the disclaimer that we're like more psychos than the average <laughs> fan that we. Yeah, I mean that we can enjoy like the squeaker, the, the squeaky sneaker sounds and the, you know, the guy carrying popcorn in the corner. But uh, what would you like to see? I, I think. I think mic'd up would be the coolest. I know there's, you know, a lot of debate on, you know, can you handle what those guys are saying to each other? Maybe you could somehow, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to watch a game that's just like filtered, but I don't know how you can filter that away from like, you know, the MJ doc is on two channels, but I don't know how much bandwidth they have for this. Uh, but I think that would be the cool, a cool thing. Maybe be able to hear, I don't know how they're going to handle the music in the arena. I don't know how that's going to work. 
kind of hearing that would kind of bring some, at least from going to games, it kind of like puts you in a good spot if you can hear that at all. But I mean, it's going to be very strange. I, I, I do. I had a note that um, there's going to like going to be a lot of basketball really quickly because once the once this happens at the end of July, it's going to only last 16 days. So there's going to be five or six games per day for us to tune into. Each team's expected to play a back to back. So there's going to be a lot happening, like pretty much every single day. And all games that matter, like substantially, you know, for the yeah. most part. It's that that gives it like kind of a March Madness feel to me, like first weekend, but you get it for, or probably maybe like second weekend, but you get it for you know over two weeks, which is a pretty interesting vibe. What do you think, Mason? What would you do if you if you were programming the entertainment side of it? I, I think they're gonna have to try different things. Like uh, live DJ sounds cool. Uh, just have constant music in the background so it's not dead noise. Um, I don't think they're going to let us mic- do the mic up as much as I wish they would, and I would pay extra on my league pass for it, um, although they already charge a freaking arm and a leg for league pass, but <laughs> and still can't get fucking NBA TV. Just ridiculous. And blackouts. <laughs> um, come on, NBA, be better. Um, but I don't know. I mean, the, the fake crowd noise is interesting. Um, fans of teams being able to – buy cutouts of themselves and proceeds going to you know <laughs> local charities or something is a decent idea local black lives matters charities um or mentoring programs or you know health whatever um so i, I would buy one of those just to have some stake in the you know i if you could get it back that'd be even cooler uh like this is my fucking cutout that i had in the 2020 pandemic the orlando playoffs. playoffs yeah the orlando <laughs> playoffs yeah that yeah a little mace so um ship little mace down there yeah. <laughs> yeah who would do your voice like jason siegel or something you have to have i mean just like chris rock did little penny you need like a comedic white guy i i just want to cross racial Paul lines Rudd. and just hope that dave Chappelle would say yes <laughs> all right there you go yeah <laughs> but i don't know man it's gonna be weird i don't know what they're gonna do but they're gonna play I'll- basketball and that's all that matters oddly enough so i did catch part of a one of the soccer games where they had uh, like fake fan noise piped in on the broadcast and it wasn't that weird yeah i saw like that too it, a lot of people were saying it like it's because a, you can only see the field though so you you can't see the empty stands so that was like fine you know but if you like in basketball you there's a clear shot of the stands in the frame of the action so your brain would be like what the fuck like when mm-hmm, no one was there true. so it might be more distracting but yeah i think mason's right i think it's going to be like a constant experimentation process so which uh which team that's vying for the eight seed scares y'all the most? Uh, Rich, we'll start with you. Out of Portland, New Orleans, San Antonio, Sacramento, and you know Devin Booker. Yeah, and Devin Booker. <laughs> hey, Devin Booker. Uh, for me, honestly, I'm gonna have to go with Portland. Um, I don't know how in rhythm Nurkic and Zach Collins are, but I know that they're returning. Um, I believe. And also, of course, I'm sure we all saw Dame's comments on how he wasn't playing if it wasn't for something. And, you know, I think we all know on this show how Dame can go nuclear um, and just, you know, put them on his fucking back. Um, McCullough hit some big shots, too. But if I had to bet, and then Melo, too, um, you know, can't forget Melo, still still hanging in there. So if I was going to say, you know, who scares me most, definitely not New Orleans. Um, like Sam mentioned, like they were still just playing like 500 ball, even with Zion. 
Uh, I'm going to go have to go with Portland. And, you know, they've had a rough year. They have some injuries, um, made some trades. Rodney Hood went down, too. Um, but, yeah, if if anybody scares me, um, it will say Portland. Um, got faith in the Grizz, though. What about, what about you, Sam? Yeah, I was going to say Portland, too. I, I But, I mean, I, I also mentioned this in my text with the Spurs, man. I mean, they're, the 22-year playoff streak uh, on the mm-hmm. line. Uh, Greg Popovich coaching. They have two all, you know, perennial all stars in their team. Um, you know, like after some time off, like in theory, that could benefit vets that get tired legs. So, or you know, when they rush back, they could get hurt. You know, there's two sides of that coin for sure. But like, I, I, I you can't ever count out Pop and the Spurs when he has to coach his way through eight games. To I mean, and I do not want to see them in an eight nine. Like when you're scheming against Pop and he's making adjustments and Lamarcus Aldridge is shooting threes. Someone pointed out that line to him. He's shooting threes now and shit. I, I don't want to see them. And to the Spurs, uh, to the point about the Spurs, someone released the stats today and it was either versus the teams going to Orlando or versus teams 500 and above. Um, out of those t- Western Conference teams vying for the eight seed, the Spurs had the highest win percentage at like 36%. Um, against, I, I think it was teams above 500. Um, so, you know, they have been playing better than us. We just beat up on the cupcakes is what, what those stats kind of say. Um, but maybe that's just because we haven't played all of our games versus 500 teams because <laughs> they were all in this last stretch. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it, right. man. Yeah. yeah. Is that Portland for you yeah, too? I think, yeah, I think in this situation you'd pick the team with uh, the best player the best remaining player. And I think that's got to be Dame. At least it has a high ceiling. I don't want to see Zion's getting the whistle though, too, man. I don't want to see Zion getting the, the, that whistle and and assuredly and already getting that probably LeBron superstar whistle and any sort of (laughs) do or die scenario. I'm not excited about that either. I mean, we don't know how in shape any of these guys are going to be. The- we do. Woj told us that Zion's actually in impeccable shape. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. He, he's like, yeah. He's in, a, he's in Olympic, Olympic sprinter shape. Um, car Mid- from. <laughs> Mid training, you staying bolt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Swimming with Michael Phelps. <laughs> if I didn't already think so highly of Woj, I would have been like, who's this guy? <laughs> like, what kind of comment is that? It was so weird, dude. Like it, so weird. It was the weirdest thing. He got paid to leak that. Yeah, dude. That was like like straight up like cash in an envelope, you know, like just for a little Zion plug. It, out of nowhere. Had no relevance, man. I wanna I'm gonna find that sound bite and put it in our intro. <laughs> I think uh I, th- I think this format benefits the Clippers more than anyone else because now they don't have to play the Lakers for you know seven straight home games in Staples Center. Uh, For sure, and, and right. Kawhi is, you know, basically a robot, and it doesn't matter where he plays. <laughs> so, no. They say like Kawhi won't even notice. Like he's just like, <laughs> it's like for him, it's like he he's not even in. Like he's just flying to Orlando to play the Magic, basically, and they just like shuffle him into the stadium and take the blindfold off and crank him up and just he goes out there. <laughs> uh, um, you know, it kind of hurts Philly. Philly's been awesome at home, and obviously they haven't played any neutral side games, but they were shitty on the road so gonna be interesting to see how that plays out i did the draft the draft thing is interesting too is that like so if the grizzlies who are currently at eight fall out um of the eight seed, even if they get beat by the nine seed in the play-in then they're in the lottery so it's ultimately where you where you end up not um you get what I'm saying, but it's not yeah. like where you can, you can't because no one can play out the rest of the games, and we can't finalize records. It's so, not it's not frozen from March 11th. 
Uh, right. These will count. And, you know, so also interesting, the Suns and uh, Wizards, if they don't win a game and they end up with a worse record than teams that weren't in Orlando, how is that going to, you know, affect their odds? They're basically frozen, I think, like in terms of the, uh, the wins can only help them get into the playoffs, but the losses don't hurt their losing percentage, hurt their winning percentage to drop them below those teams. Okay. okay. So, so it, it's, it's wild. I mean, like, but the NBA released a statement about all this and it was like reading like a LSAT, like a law school admission question. It was, I was like, I don't even want to look at that. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'll just read the Hollinger article tomorrow about it. Right, <laughs> like right. when he breaks it down. But um, some of the advantages for the home teams were interesting too. I don't know if y'all saw that article about. Oh, those were shitty. Yeah, like <laughs> about. Yeah. <laughs> like the funniest one was picking your hotel to me. Like they would do a hotel draft and like I just, that they just televise that. I mean, it'd be fascinating to hear what players prioritize. I mean, probably good fucking room service. It is. And, That's gonna be like fucking interesting too. Like just like who who you're bringing with you. Like you have some players who have family, spouses, kids, you know, you have some players who are bachelors who are 20, 20 years old, you know, right. Like our entire team, significant other, do they have to be your wife? Like, or can, can your girlfriend come? Like, who is Dylan Brooks? It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, dude, that's like the funniest question that hasn't been asked yet. Who's Dylan? <laughs> The NBA has not addressed how they're going to handle testing or someone testing positive. They haven't, they just like, yeah, they really have. They've been like, Oh, we'll figure that out. Like, it makes sense because you have to have a plan in place, I guess. Um, at, at any point, And it take, it took them what, three months now to, to get this plan of how we're going to move forward. So at least we have that, but, None of the testing details were released other than that they would be tested daily. Yeah, Zach Lowe was saying that the the long time thing they were saying was we need to figure out a plan before we get dates. And now here we are, we have dates, but no plan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so that, that was like a funny thing. He, he, he was on the podcast with Pelton, who did run with the current setup, assuming the next eight games are the next eight in your schedule. And if it doesn't work out like the – another team there's eighth game would be you, but you've already played your eight games. Then it goes to their next game. So he did that. And the Grizzlies remained the eighth seed for 80% of the time. Um, so that was good. Uh, that was a good statistic for us. Uh, I don't know what happens the other 20. I mean, it, it, some of that percentage is probably us going down to nine, but there's a high likelihood that we play in that play in is what I'm saying. Right. Like it, it, we would have to really fuck up. And at that point it's like, that's on us, you know? Like, yeah. Um, well, what, I mean, what do you expect from it? What, what do you, what do you expect us to do in the A games? And I mean, is this a situation where you just have to wait and see who, who's in shape? Or, you know, how, how did you, when you heard this, how did you expect us to perform? I expect to be the AC, honestly. <laughs> We've got a young team. They've been staying in shape. They've been hooping. Um, we bring Justice Winslow into the mix. We get Jaron and Brandon Clark back. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, we, we've played better than the rest of the teams all season. Um, as long as the guys have been professional and stayed in shape. And, and I think our guys have had more of a reason to stay sharp than maybe Portland or New Orleans, these teams who haven't known for sure that they would be advancing to the next stage, especially Phoenix and Washington. Um, and maybe even some of the teams who are kind of set in their seating, like Milwaukee and Boston, who we will we'll play towards the end of our eight games if the schedule holds uh, you know, as, as is when those teams might not be playing tough teams. So uh, I expect us to come and win, you know, go five and three, six and two. 
win our one game. And then it, what, this is where I was hoping for the just reseed one to 16. So we didn't have to play the Lakers in the first round. <laughs> like and we could have had some fun, you know, playing. With yeah. Money. Actually had a chance to win like a series, you know, like if you play the Raptors, you're probably not going to win, but like you could. You know, the, the league's not going to game the system against you for in that matchup. Like you can yeah. beat that team and the league won't, the league will literally not let us beat the Lakers like 0% chance. We wouldn't anyway, but I'm just saying, you know, like, yeah, yeah no, zero. I but mean, I mean, that's one of the cool things about the like bonus eight, nine seed matchup is that that's kind of like a mini playoff for us to whet our appetite and something that we can win. I think I said whet our appetite twice today. <laughs> Must be hungry. Hungry for hoops. No, but that's kind of like uh, Zach's new podcast on the Barn Burner Podcast Network. Hungry for hoops. That we that we can win before we have to go to the gauntlet. That's so true. That's still like that. That'd be kind of fun. Yeah, these kids actually win a playoff series. I mean, that's effectively what it is. So that would be something to say you did. I hope they take the throwbacks to Orlando, man, on the national Ooh, yeah. stage, so we can be fresh. I don't want that boring shit. Yeah, that's gonna be interesting, man. And like what the courts are going to play on. I, I mean, there's so many angles, dude. Like the, I read something about how the Celtics want us to be in the lottery so that their pick they get this year's better so that they might play really hard in that last game. If we play them on the eighth game, like mm-hmm. oh, wow. it's just all those crazy fucking angles that you, you know, like the, and the Celtics, yeah, the Celtics want us to be bad. So they have every incentive to, for us to get beat. It's weird. Like all these different angles that you don't think about. It's a lot. It's going to be interesting, man. It'll be, I, I don't know how do y'all think the NBA will handle the return if um, the activism is still at the level that it is for the Black Lives Matter. Like, I, I don't see the players playing if the the state of the nation is where it is currently. If it where it is currently, I just can't imagine. Yeah, I mean, like a, like a lot of water can go under the bridge between now and July 31st, but I mean... I don't know. What do you think, Rich? Yeah, I mean, saying what y'all said, like it. If if they are playing, it's gonna be some damn protesting going on. Yeah, I know that. first and, national anthem, like first national anthem in a sporting event, will be played at these, uh, presumably. Right. Well, I, even, I wouldn't even play. Like, I wouldn't. It, play. I I don't. I don't think they should, but they. I think they will. Yeah, and and though, like maybe everyone deals. You know, I'm just like no. great, no. but like whatever they're doing. He's just gonna follow uh, Papa LeBron's lead. Yeah, <laughs> we all trust him. The players trust him. So whatever LeBron says, <laughs> that's probably what's gonna be happening. Um, but you know, just if 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 things don't subside and there is significant unrest, uh, similar to a lot of the players' sentiments on social media, this just the last thing on their mind. So it's definitely gonna be interesting. I mean, July thirty first is a ways out, but um, yeah. Something to think about for sure. Yeah, I just don't want those guys to have to be used as distraction, um, mm-hmm. just you know, entertainers yeah. like that. That's that's just super complete, counterproductive. Completely against, yeah, yeah, exactly. Sure, it's yeah. like yeah, it flies in the face of everything we've been saying. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, just real quick too, I got the dates pulled up. The June fifteenth, all the the Luka Doncic's of the world that went back to eat crepes in France have to come back. Uh, and June twenty first, all the players have to report to the individual practice facilities locally. And then June 22nd, they get uh, coronavirus tested and it begins. Then they have a local training camp on June 30th, uh, like a week. Then they go to Orlando. Then there's a two-week training camp in Orlando before the season starts on July 31st. So, well, a lot, you know, the 
media will start flying again. I'm sure they'll have a few people, you know, the big time media people at each team will be at the practices and, and it'll be the biggest thing in the world right now. That's, yeah. that's it's, you know, in terms of like entertainment, because there's been no sports. So it'll I be. I wonder if Joe Cam would be there. I wonder if our boy Joe Cam would be there. He had just signed a 10 day. Oh, did he? Where did, he started. Where did he yeah. sign? Uh, Clippers? Yeah. yeah, I think that's Oh, that's right. right. I yeah. forgot that they signed like all these like. Yeah, just hard ass dudes. Right yeah, before, he's on the yeah. Clippers right before this shit. Hit and the they got Mar- Marcus or Markeith Morris, one of the Morris twins. They got the better one. They got Marcus. The Lakers had to get Markeith. Yeah, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, they, I like to see how he fits. Oh, in but the too. Lakers have Deion Waiters too, who had. <laughs> so shit. I don't want him to go to Orlando. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's hot boxing right. the bubble. You know what I mean? <laughs> having a good time on the fucking roller coaster or some shit. <laughs> oh man. Well, it's exciting times. Do you guys have anything else on the on uh, the NBA or anything we talked about before? Rich, we appreciate you sharing everything, man. That was really awesome. For like sure. Truly awesome. And uh, excited to post this one. And uh, glad we could be a platform. Maybe we didn't do it soon enough, but glad we could at some point talk about it. Yeah, no doubt. Definitely um, just, you know, appreciate the space, you know, being able to talk, talk like y'all sharing your thoughts, you know, listening and whatnot. Um, it's not always like this. So definitely uh, appreciate this space and, uh, you know, looking forward to getting it up too. Cool. Anytime, man. You always got a platform at Barnburner, so. Appreciate it. I'll wear my shirt next time. Yes, sir. <laughs> All right, y'all. Peace out. Have a good week, uh, weekend and uh, stay safe out there. And hopefully we see some more changes happen. Yes, sir. Later. Peace, y'all.